Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends! Welcome to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast! I don't know why I gave a question mark there, but podcast! Uh, the podcast where I usually pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and this ain't a booking video this week. I'm sorry, or maybe I shouldn't be sorry. It, you know, sometimes you get burnt out for writing random stories on the internet, but hey, things happen. So, with that, I wanted to do something a little bit different this week. Mostly because, you know, it's been a full year since Wrestling With Fiction got its real fiction in its name. It, it's pretty much one year to the day of me fantasy booking Santa into the wrestling business. The thing that really propelled me into, you know, booking stuff that's more than just wrestling fantasy bookings like Monkey D. Luffy, Monster Hunter, uh... Among Us, the Pokemon Trainer. For God's sakes, I booked a Pokemon Trainer this year. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and alongside that, we've also covered just your traditional wrestling fantasy bookings with its own fair shares of creativity and downright stupidity <laughs> along the way. And, you know, I really wanted to reflect on this year's bookings. So, Five of my own personal favourites. This is in no particular order at all because, uh, you know, this is a whole podcast based around writing about men and women and sometimes fictional beings in scandally tight clothing. I, I, I think you could decide which one you prefer. <laughs> I, these are just going over my personal favourites, maybe even sharing some creative notes that I had just sort of like on the cutting room floor because I don't know if that's something you're interested in this is your episode for you and I have no idea how long this is gonna be and what I'm going to pick particularly going into this I'm just gonna be going off the cuff of my own personal favorite moments throughout the year maybe some that you will expect maybe some that you won't that's the beauty of these lists and probably why so many wrestling content creators do it on the internet. So, yes, let the opinions run wild, brother. <laughs> As we dive into my five personal favorite fantasy bookings of the year. So, if you'll implore me, let's get into this. So, the first one that I want to talk about is one that I don't really think people really talk about in terms of bookings that I've done. Uh, it's the booking I did on Brian Danielson. Uh, this was right in between kind of his before his debut All Out, I believe. It was right on the cusp of that. And, you know, I quickly tried to make a story that was, I guess, fairly different to a conventional Daniel Bryan story. There was, uh, I guess there were stories about him potentially this being his last run in AEW. And I remember at the time I was <laughs> I was weirdly enough reminiscing on uh, a film called Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon <laughs> and seeing all of the like crazy like Shaolin Kung Fu <laughs> effects. And I don't know what compelled me 
to write a whole like Danielson style faction called like the Dynasty of the Dragon, but it 100% came from that movie. And I guess during this whole thing, it was one of my personal favorites because it really pushed me to be more creative with what Danielson has done before and what he could have done next. I really liked the idea of Danielson leading his own faction, particularly because of the legend that is Brian Danielson among the sort of like independent scene. The whole like, in hindsight, the reaction he gets now in AEW is kind of this wily, like, overly, I want to say overly confident, like, technical wrestler who believes that everything should be about the wrestling. I think in its own little twist of irony, it still kind of holds up today. Like, I think the inclusion of, like, different picks, like a, a Daniel Garcia and Helico, Alayla Hirsch, and Fuego, all, like, on paper doesn't sound like it made sense. But I think the way I presented it, particularly with the idea of them earning their stripes, almost being, like, you know, in those, like, classic, like, Kung Fu movies like you gotta go up from this belt to the next belt to eventually get your black belt. That's <laughs> I really liked that whole like dynamic of Danielson, you know, kind of taking these people under their wing as his kind of students and bringing them upon and making them more like Brian Danielson in terms of like adapting more of a technical style to their wrestling and coming out almost. Kind of in a way that Diamond Mind is presented, where they've all got their own sort of like branding as this sort of like mixed martial arts group, but except it's like this kung fu thing, and you had the like whole like dojo <laughs> with like Brian Danielson teaching them how to do like suplexes, submissions, and all that kind of fun stuff. I really like how that was kind of presented in my mind when I was writing this, and also just in general, I. I feel like with the legacy that Danielson's gone, I still firmly believe that he could pass down his legacy to Daniel Garcia and have him take on like the nickname of the American Dragon. I really like that as like a story beat, maybe like five years down the line or however long Danielson decides to continue wrestling. Maybe this is me fully working myself into a shoot, believing that I want to see the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, bestow upon Daniel Garcia this name. The American Dragon, Daniel Garcia. I don't, I don't know. It just sounds like it's got a really cool ring to it. And that's really what was the, like, cruts of that entire, like, story that I wanted to portray throughout it. And that, that's honestly it. I know it sounds like I'm gushing over it. There were definitely flaws in it. I feel like in hindsight... I could have done a lot better with, like, characters in it, like, Layla Hirsch. I feel like maybe that may have not been the best inclusion into it. Like, maybe Serena Deeb could have been a great, like, character involved into it. If you haven't seen the booking, maybe this is just going to sound all really weird at this point. But I think for me, that was, like, my real, like, coming out party in terms of, hey, this is one of my, like, really cool, it's really wacky. As like a concept making this kind of like kung fu thing based around Brian Danielson but I feel like in my own head as with many fantasy bookings I believed that it can work more than I think a lot of bookings I had this year 
So for me, that is one of the things that's going to be in my own personal five favorites this year. I think if you haven't seen it, go go give it a listen. You know, I put in like a bardic Mortal Kombat thing as background music. It was a fun time. I don't know. <laughs> Heading straight into number two. It's, it's a booking that I consider an absolute train wreck. But I think it really defined, like, what I was really, like, being open to doing. It really opened the floodgates for me to be more creative than just doing wrestlers. And in case you haven't seen it, it's the one where I tried to book the Pokemon trainer. <laughs> that on paper, uh, not my smartest idea. You know, I also want to put in the Rick Roll meme in there as well, but I feel like the Pokemon trainer particularly stands out. Mostly because I tried to book a 10-year-old. <laughs> and maybe that's not impossible. Nicholas was a thing. You know, remember Nicholas? The former tag team champion with Braun Strowman had to leave the belt because of... <laughs> had to leave it because he had to go back to school. What a good kid, Nicholas. But back to the point, this was the booking that really made me realize, like, you could really do anything with fantasy booking, because at the core of it, wrestling is complete bollocks. <laughs> and with it, some of the stories that shouldn't make sense, like, for example, Bray Wyatt becoming a sort of Blue's Clues-style serial killer thing that's possessed by a mask called The Fiend could work, having a... Well, I can only really describe in all the booking ideas I had as a vile, disgusting 10-year-old who is self-entitled trying to take over the wrestling business because <laughs> he took over the whole, like, pocket monsters industry. It was probably one of the weirdest and wackiest ideas I've had all year. And one that's definitely stuck out in my mind because I was really throwing stuff at the wall. And seeing what stuck at the time, like having, like, a custody of Dominic Mysterio match. <laughs> in a booking about the Pokemon trainer, in which he redubbed some of them as Pokemon. Like, I'm pretty sure he had Cesaro become a champ. We had the whole, like, lights out shtick with the Pokeballs. <laughs> it, it was a weird, wild time. That I feel like ultimately really summarized that the sky was the limit for whatever on earth I could do with this show. <laughs> and really expanded it beyond just being about, you know, this wrestler going for a title. Or, you know, this person going for this. Because, you know, fantasy bookings are fantastic in their own way because it allows us, the audience, to get what we want out of wrestling, which we don't really get all of the time. And for me, this kind of showed that sometimes you don't even need to do that. You don't need to have them win a belt. You don't even need to have them win a feud. You, you can just have it be whatever you want to be. And that's the beauty of wrestling like fantasy booking your insert fictional character it can be whatever you want it to be it's ultimately up to you 
And that's kind of what that whole booking of the Pokemon train has always kind of been for me. It's kind of that, hey, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but maybe this is the way that we could go, rather than just go with the super serious rap. Because ultimately, wrestling's about, in my mind, like, entertainment, enjoying, like, whatever weird and wacky things happen. Because remember, this is the same universe where... Men and women in scandally tight clothing fight over an accessory. And sometimes there's pyro involved and explosives and tables. And for me, that's what the Pokemon trainer thing really represents. It represents the wacky side that is a guilty pleasure of mine and is also kind of a that I feel like sometimes isn't really touched upon in like a lot of people's fantasy bookings. It's just about get them to do this. Get them to do that. And maybe they turn heel. And I feel like the Pokemon trainer was a step in me trying to take a different direction. I can't say I've fully followed that all the time because, you know, we're all biased towards our own particular wrestlers. But it felt like a nice little step in that direction to be like, hey, you know, you can have some fun booking Scooby-Doo and Shaggy winning all of the belts in the universe. <laughs> and that's why I'm always going to remember the Pokemon Trainer as one of my favourite bookings of this year. So number three is one that I think really helped shift kind of the direction of where a lot of my, like, wrestling with... Fiction stuff has really gone over sort of like the halfway through 2021. It's one of my ones that I really put a lot of effort into making. Uh, it's my booking on Samoa Joe. It's, it's one that I still firmly believe was probably my... I think it's my best booking of this year in terms of a professional wrestler. Uh, Samoa Joe, for me has always been this big, massive force in professional wrestling, who I always could have felt could have done more on sort of the big stage of WWE. I think that little, like, look of him versus Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire, that name still <laughs> irks me a bit, could have been a sign of so much more to come with Samoa Joe, but hey, wrestling happens, uh, injuries certain storylines not going a certain way and you know having that whole weird hiatus where Samoa Joe just wasn't wrestling for a good it felt like two years but it could have been maybe even a little bit less because pandemics but yeah it really felt like Samoa Joe could have been so much more in sort of the main WWE system and when he eventually came back to NXT and he started becoming this enforcer my mind just immediately thought Oh, there's something here that you could do with Samoa Joe. More than just, like, you know, him being this enforcer for, like, a couple months. So, for me, the idea of, like, making him this big monster heel in NXT, holding and clutching up the NXT championship, you know, taking it from a potential NXT champion in Kyle Riley at the time, the whole thing with, like, having William Regal there as kind of this corrupt heel general manager who after all of this chaos in NXT is trying to 
keep the peace that he ever so held tightly in the initial, like, early years of NXT 1.0. I really liked that, like, dynamic between the two. The Enforcer and the GM. And then that Enforcer becoming an even greater Enforcer for him to maintain that kind of peace that NXT once was. as that developmental brand. Ironically, in a similar sense to NXT 2.0 in... Because I think when you look back at 2.0 and the initial launch of NXT, they're both very similar products in a way. Kind of in their goal to create kind of new stars. And in hindsight, it could have actually been, if I really knew about it, a like gateway into that 2.0 system. Having Samoa Joe, as in the booking idea I had, nearly take every single title in the company in NXT, from the NXT title to the North American Championship to the tag titles with Tyler Breeze, who, uh, fun fact, if you don't remember, this was right, like, a day before Tyler Breeze got released, <laughs> was when I put this out. So that, that upset me a lot. But it really showed to me just, like, looking at it in hindsight, could have been like a really fun little thing. I think the whole like character dynamics of like Gargano and Champ being forced to work together, kind of similar to what happened recently with War Games, could have been a really cool thing that happened within the booking. Uh, the whole thing with like corrupt heel William Regal, uh, just saying that everything is kind of his own thing. This is what he created, and he's the one who has the right to put it down. I feel like that's a that's a very apt story for a guy who has always kind of been that kind of wily, evil British guy in the world of WWE. I feel like that could have been a great escalation of the William Regal character, and using it to really create some new young stars. Like, for example, not really young, but... You know, to help really carry the brand into this kind of new era of NXT. A, a Kyle O'Reilly. Cameron Grimes, who's still on the show. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott and Hit Row, which it sucks that they were ended up released. That, uh, we'll, we'll get into it in another thing before the end of the year. But, uh, it it's personally a booking that will always stick in my mind as kind of my best booking that I've personally done, and that I don't think gets enough credit, I guess, in terms of all the other bookings I've done. So, if you want to see what I could do when something really, like, resonates with me, and I feel like this is the way you could have gone with a guy, go, go check out the Samoa Joe episode. It's personally one of, if not, I think, my best bookings I have ever done. And I think it stands up to a lot of the current stuff that I do today. I I don't really know how to end the rest of this phrase, so uh, let's just move on to the next thing! <laughs> so number four for me is... It's another one that is a is very wacky. It's, it's probably the one where... I, I really tried to, like, embrace the franchise that I was really going for. And it's it's probably the one <laughs> where I, I now have a, 
a self-imposed running joke for myself that has inadvertently became real. <laughs> uh, it's my fantasy booking of Link from The Legend of Zelda. It is probably, I think it's the best fictional booking I've done. Absolutely the best fictional booking I've done in terms of going completely <laughs> insane. So in case some of you never watched the episode or you've only just heard of it now, uh, I tried to book a Gen Z Link, basically adapting Link from The Legend of Zelda into modern WWE. And put him within the kind of like professional wrestling sphere. Try to book a story with him that ended up making him a Gen Z TikToker who had to rescue Zelda because the WWE kidnapped Zelda in order to take all of the money and publicity that the Legend of Zelda TikTok account received as a pair. <laughs> Which, on paper, is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's it's the one that I think is most fun to me. Out of all the bookings I've done this year, this was the one that was the most fun to write. In terms of, like, doing the research for it, trying to find out as much information about Link in terms of movesets in terms of character, in terms of intentions by the creators of Nintendo, how Link was originally made to be a little bit ugly, but was made like more handsome to appeal to a larger demographic. The whole thing with, you know, if you guys have played Twilight Princess, this is an unpopular opinion, my favorite Zelda game. You could, depending if you're playing on GameCube or if you're playing on the Wii, if you're playing on GameCube, your left hand, throws the sword. If you have it on the Wii, it's right-handed, so he's technically ambidextrous, you could write in there. The the whole thing with, like, trying to adapt his moveset into professional wrestling without him. <laughs> like, being, like, having to use a sword or a shield, but, like, trying to keep some of the magical items, because <laughs> technically, the masks in Majora's Mask are legal because they're not weapons. They're extensions of himself because it merges with him. That's a whole thing. And how you could use it in Aurora Rumble as like four different characters. Uh, the fact that it created... Oh my god. I can go into this now. So, some of you might have noticed in a couple of episodes, possibly, that I like to do a thing where I like to say the double X handle! That all came from this episode. And I will tell you right now, when I put that out, and I said that the double axe handle would be a perfect finish for Link, I, I wasn't joking. I, I legit stuck by it. But because I had so much conviction for this one thing, it, it had inadvertently made me a fan of the double axe handle. I, I did not give, I, I will be honest here, nothing for a double axe handle before and now it's like it's one of my favorite moves to watch purely because you never see anybody on a major wrestling company bust out a double axe handle that much anymore so when i see it now i'm thinking yes use it use the most dangerous move in professional wrestling
That's that's what the double axe double axe handle is to me right now. I, I, you know, in wrestling terms, I worked myself into a shoot. I worked myself into a shoot because of this booking, <laughs> where I will tell you he got help from friend Xavier Woods, who was kind of his navvy of the universe. Trying to find that dastardly person who kidnapped Zelda. He gets a fight scene in the middle of the PC. He starts going around everywhere to try and rescue Zelda. He acquires items. There is another booking on the side of this episode where I have him face Matt Hardy in an ultimate deletion match and he goes into the Lake of Reincarnation and becomes multiple versions of Link. <laughs> this was, for me, the pinnacle of me for this year at least booking something so utterly ridiculous but having so much fun doing it because i'll be honest you know sometimes when you're booking a weekly fantasy booking thing sometimes the ideas don't come to you immediately life happens to everybody and the ideas that you have just don't really come and don't fully resonate to you. But for some reason, on this week, on that particular episode, it felt like it clicked for me when it started to come around. And for me, it's personally a very special episode for me, for that reason alone. And it's very special because a few weeks before, another episode that is quite pivotal to this whole series happened because it's my number one it's the episode that really stuck with me for this year and it's one that you know kind of spun into a, a joke and kind of an inadvertent series in this podcast and it's uh it's the booking of sullivan bo brown yes the the man who appeared on Quizlemania a couple times and is mostly on a YouTube board game channel is my favorite booking of 2021. It's not a wrestler. It's a man who is kind of involved in wrestling. Sort of. Kind of. But it's it's one of the most special things for me. Because, uh, I almost, yeah, I almost quit doing podcasting at that point. I was at a point in my life where, uh, I really felt like I was gonna quit. Uh, I, I know I've suddenly just taken a serious tone here. It, it was an episode where I was really considering just kind of giving up on the whole thing because, well, you know... You, you get some dry spells and slumps in any form of creative writing or simply sort of burnout. And for me, I was really feeling that strongly then. I, I think to some extent I'm feeling it now. Where I really wanted to kind of quit because I, I felt like I wasn't putting out good stuff and the work that I was doing didn't reflect the effort I put in. And when I put the, this out, you know, I, I don't really tend to do it, but you know, I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add Sullivan Bo Brown. Why not? 
This was the whole thing with him and Colt Cabana on that episode of Quizlemania. That was kind of the booking I was going for. And it was this whole thing where Sully joins the Dark Order and there's a whole like exchange between the two. I won't go into it too much. And, you know, this happened right around... Uh, I got my results for university, actually. Uh, I, I This is probably not really interesting, but yeah, I got my results for university. Uh, things were going well there when I sent that out. But it all happened within like the span of two days. I sent it out kind of felt pretty sad uh i got my results back from uni that turned out pretty well for me uh and then on the father's day where i had pretty much like sent out this thing hey uh i did this thing with sully versus colt cabana if you want to watch it you can i don't know if you will uh i ended up having just dinner with my family and then as that dinner finishes because i i wasn't checking my phone uh, I open it up to see, like, a bunch of, like, likes and retweets and a, a quote tweet from, a uh, Sullivan Bo Brown saying, uh, I, I'm so looking forward to this. And to say that I was, I was not freaking out would be a complete and utter lie. <laughs> I, I lost my mind realizing that, you know, like, something I did suddenly got this type of, Attention, it's easily the fastest growing episode I've ever had. Yeah, and I know it's kind of a cop-out to maybe put that in, because it is probably one of my more successful stuff. But it's the one that really made me, like, realize, like, hey, I like doing this. I like creating this stuff, even when I sometimes feel like I don't. Because, you know, no matter what you do, like, in life or creatively... There's always going to be those moments of difficulty, regardless of where you go. And for me, it kind of reminded me that even when things are difficult and it feels like, you know, things aren't going your way in some respects, even if they are, anything can change in an instant. Because literally from that moment that happened, I got somehow a decent result in my uni degree, a son who knew like wave of publicity for stuff and just just a better feeling about myself as not just like a person just kind of creatively because you know i'm i i i'll admit it i'm i'm quite a sensitive person i i find it very difficult to i guess pick myself up when I feel down. But when I'm like super happy. There is no feeling that can take me down from that. And for me. I wouldn't have been able to like. I think mentally keep myself going. If it wasn't for a big moment like that. That little break. And so I, I doubt he'll ever see this. But uh, thank you Sullivan. Thank you for doing that, because uh, I don't know if this would still exist if you didn't do that. So, thank you. Legitimately, and thank you to everybody who's decided to stick around for this podcast, for this random list, for any 
episode I've done here. I I really do try to put out the best work that I can on a weekly basis. I I really do appreciate what you guys do for this podcast and what you do for you know any other like piece of like online wrestling content creation. And I I just want to give as a final thing as we head into kind of the new year. Uh you know, don't forget to love each other. Don't forget to, you know, the world of wrestling, we've had our own things with, like, mental health and talking about our own feelings. Don't don't be afraid to talk to somebody. There's always somebody out there who can help you, who can care for you. If there's, there's always somebody that you can talk to if you feel like you're not having a good day. And I don't know why I went into this whole tangent. It's kind of just been on my mind. Don't, don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to talk to the people that you love. Don't be afraid to just help each other be kind, be lovely, and, you know, enjoy life as much as you can. I, I, I know that went quite preachy. But, you know, that's kind of a way to end off this as a kind of a big personal thank you to everybody who is stuck by this podcast in some way, shape or form through the random bookings of Santa to the ever more serious heel turns of John Cena. This podcast wouldn't exist without you or your support. So I want to say thank you very much. I hope. All of you have a lovely day, and remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.